Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. My wife and my infant child are in town this week, so I'm not screaming at quite the same volume that I have been in other weeks. <laughs> We're trying not to wake the household, but it is 11.31 p.m. on the East Coast. We just saw a whopping 50-burger from Miami against Florida State. Uh, an, an interesting uh, evening slate of games. We've got uh, BYU currently holding a 14-0 lead against Troy. And uh, the multiple top 10 teams losing. A bad day for the Big 12. 623 passing yards from KJ Costello against the defending national champs. Uh like Barton had a winning week. That is another headline from here as Barton goes five and two and, and takes the, uh, the week W and, uh, the syndicate as a whole, you know, I guess we're at, we're, we're still making money for the season at 48, 44 and one, uh, for the week. It was a little rough 15, 16 and one and apologies, uh, on CBS sports HQ. I told a lot of people, <laughs> to, to bet every single SEC under, the SEC unders went three and four. So it was Ooh, not the seventy percent clip that I promised. <laughs> but, I think the the you you, you shouldn't have just cl- like lumped in the Florida Ole Miss under because I think we all knew that had a shot at going over. If you'd maybe just save that one off the card, uh, I feel like you could have salvaged a push at least. But uh, no. I was looking, yeah, I I was looking all right, honestly, until Missouri got a couple of garbage times because uh, the Alabama backups weren't scoring nearly as prolifically, but it was Missouri coming in and getting a couple late tutties that pushed that one over that, that was the one that really broke our back. But in terms of that's that's not the only thing that uh, the listeners tune in for. So, I mean, Barton, where do you want to, where do you want to set your sights on first? What's, what's, Uh, uh, what's, what's burning in your mind right now? Well, I mean, just I think the let's address the 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 like the big picture here, the 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 thirty thousand foot view of just this was like a bananas day, yeah, mm-hmm. like an insane, awesome day, like what a return to like a full slate of football. First of all, it felt great to like be overwhelmed with how many different games I wanted to watch and with like not being able to like, like having to like sort of text or message people in Slack and be like, wait, what happened in this game? Like, cause I got my eyes on these other two and it like, there was all kinds of action that was like really interesting and fun and exciting. And there was upsets and there was like near like, upsets and near like upsets. special teams, mistakes, crazy I stuff. Mean, yeah. Like this was just a, I mean, this is like a, you know, this is the type of type of uh, day that makes me want us to have like explicit lyrics, like pod or whatever, like mature audience. So I can just be like, it was an effing awesome day. And so that's my big takeaway. Like just, it was awesome. I was so, so stoked. 
at the day. And um, I don't know. I don't know how it could have been any better. It was, I mean, pretty sick. Yeah, it was, I, I'm there. It, I didn't, it was first time really all season where like all my screens were full and I wished I had more screens because mm-hmm. there just wasn't enough to do. But I think as far as where we should start, I think we should probably start with the defending champions. Ooh. The, the defending champions are in the NFL right now, but the 2021 <laughs> LSU Tigers had a really good spring season here in 2020 because uh, that team's just not ready to try and compete for an SEC championship. Yeah, no, it wasn't even ready to compete for a win, really, for the most part against Mississippi State on Saturday. This is that was I thought that with the offseason I mean it was one of the reasons behind me taking the under in this game was I thought that that offense was going to be a little rusty early because it's a brand new offense that none of the players in that team had really been in before with that kind of offseason and no no 632 yards of offense KJ Costello 623 yards passing five touchdowns he did have two interceptions though so I guess it wasn't a perfect day you got Kylan Hill catching eight passes for 158 (laughs) yards you got Osiris Mitchell catching seven passes for 183 yards and two touchdowns you got Javante Payton catching six passes for 122 yards but he didn't score so he's probably pretty disappointed in himself so it's like and they were doing it again I mean it's not the same team but it is the defending champ and they were doing it in Tiger Stadium, and it was just like, wow. We could have an entire show on this game. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we could say that about a lot of games. Today. But we could have an entire yeah. show about that game. Uh, it's like here, a couple things. Like just A, all right, to, to think Mike Leach's arrival in the SEC is, is um, it, the introduction to the Mike Leach era is – beating the defending national champions who just fielded the best team of all time. The uh, p- putting up 623 yards of pass. Isn't, is it, wasn't that the SEC all-time record? Pretty sure, yeah. I think it was. I like, can't first, imagine who would have First it. game in, <laughs> setting a record for passing yards. Uh, and, 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 and going on the road, like, yeah, granted, it wasn't like your typical Death Valley, but, uh, I mean, what a, what a start. A, B, so like – like the Mike Leach thing is 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 off to the you know a start that's surpassed all our expectations already. Um, the that that wide receiver group that you just rattled off all their stats for that like I don't think it, I, are you I about to call him average? Are you about to call him an average room? No, I didn't even think that was a good room. Yeah, like I, like maybe I'm wrong, but I don't even think that's a good room. I think that's going to get a that's they're going to get better. Um, the defense, Mississippi State's defense. I mean, that was like that was a pretty good defensive effort. Um, and, and so, just just that, like leaving leaving LSU out of it, just the Mississippi State side of it is just how encouraging would that be? I mean, KJ Costello had thirty six passes at uh, pass attempts at halftime. I mean, there's there's a lot of wide receivers in, in Southeastern Conference territory. Uh, playing high school football right now that want to go somewhere where they're going to throw it 36 times and a half. Um, and so there's just like, there's just so much to be energized about on the Mississippi state side on the LSU side. There's a lot, there's a lot to chew on as well. A couple things that stick out to me. One, um, miles Brennan is like, we're back to the old LSU quarterbacks. You know, mm-hmm. simpatico, my friend. I said Miles Brennan is a less Miles era quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. And so here's the here, here's the scary part is that less Miles is an old school LSU quarterback, but their the offense is built around having a new school quarterback. Like, like they might as well go back to the old ground and pound stuff if Miles Brennan is going to be back there. Like, not that they can't do it, but that like they need to be. Uh, you know, like featuring the backs in a, in a in a in a bigger way, as opposed to just letting Miles Brennan go out there and, and distribute. So, like they built this offense for Joe Burrow, and now Joe Burrow's not there, and it doesn't it just doesn't doesn't look look the same. Um, and so, man, I mean LSU's got, and and we we knew. I mean we we sniffed this out. I mean, we've talked about this at nauseum. Like 
all the identity issues, all the new like new faces, new coordinators, everything. Like we kind of saw this coming. I just I didn't see it coming against Mississippi State week one. Yeah, and, and going to Brennan, it's like you know, Orgeron and the staff during the off season they were very public about their thinking that Brennan was good enough to be their starting quarterback. But there were the whispers the entire time that when there were grad transfers on the market. LSU was reportedly interested in a few of them and, you know, in the market for a grad transfer if they can get one. And they didn't get Jamie Newman. They didn't get J.D. Daniels. They didn't get any of these guys. And it's pretty clear why they were probably on the market. Because Brennan, if you look, I mean, he threw for 345 yards and three touchdowns. It's just he had to throw 46 passes to get there. He averaged only seven and a half yards an attempt. And the one difference to me that I thought was like, incredibly evident it's like joe burrow is better than miles brennan in a lot of ways but the one fabric of his game that brennan just doesn't have is burrow's ability to you know get away in the Mm -hmm. pocket to extend plays with his legs i just didn't see any of that from brennan on saturday and i feel like that is a huge piece of that offense from last year how many times burrow was able to evade pressure or make something happen with his legs or extend a play to make something happen downfield and they just don't have that that facet to the offense with Brennan. So I wouldn't, I mean, it's the one game and we, we don't want to make an overreaction to it, especially, but it, you're kind of prone to because it is the team that won the title and they just lost at home to Mississippi state. But I have a hard time thinking that miles Brennan is going to finish the season as LSU starting quarterback. No, you well, I mean, you know, they got behind him as two true freshmen. I know. I mean, and, and, and neither of which are guys that I, I believe already as true freshmen. So I don't I, I I would be surprised if the true freshmen are a better option. Unless like Max Johnson is the son of Brad Johnson, former NFL quarterback. He's one of those true freshmen and he's really athletic. Unless you want to go in and like bring like an athletic element in there and sort of shift like switch up the offense a little bit, maybe. But, but I don't know you, they have great options behind them. Would, would you be surprised though if LSU loses another game or two this year? And it's like if they lose a few games and they're out of the division race, like do they then say, okay, let's go to one of these freshmen? I don't know. I don't know if any quarterback, right? So there's four new starters on that offensive line, and that offensive line got eaten alive True. by Mississippi yeah. State. And I, I don't know right now whether to think that is – LSU's offensive line being a huge weakness right now or whether Mississippi State's defense has really shown up in this game. Like that's that's something that I'm looking at right now because they've got great running backs. Like I love that combination of individually of Chris Curry, John Emery, uh, and Tyrion Davis-Price. Like I think that is a, a really, really strong three-headed monster if they did want to go old school and go ground and pound on this. And then like you throw Rick Gilbert on it, as uh, a good tight end, he was already, you know, he, he caught the one touchdown pass that was thrown to nobody. But Shout uh, <laughs> out to him for stealing a touchdown. <laughs> but he was one of the most targeted wide receivers. And, like, Terrace Marshall is obviously still very, very talented and the best wide receiver there. And I know that um, they've got young players that can come along at the wide receiving core. But, like, it's uh, offensively, they are all out of sorts. They've got all the... They they got one of those um, deliveries with like some assembly required, and they got all of the wrong nuts and bolts right now. Like they can't assemble it at all. They're gonna need a rubber hammer to just like jam in some of these pieces to make it work. And then defensively, we should mention Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, hospitalized with an undisclosed illness. It seems to be they feel like he's gonna be there. He's gonna be better, and this is non COVID related according to the school, but. Man, it, it was damning for Bo Pelini when Mike Leach comes out afterwards and says, I thought they were going to play a little bit off of us. Uh, we were really surprised that they played us so tight to the line of scrimmage. So we just went vertical. You know, every, every single time we felt like our guys were going to win those one-on-one battles when the corners pressed up on us. And that's exactly what happened. Like KJ Costello dropped dimes down the sideline and cornerbacks were getting dusted. Well, Hey, you know what? I mean, that's the sec. Like <sighs> everybody presses you. Everybody is challenging you. Like LSU don't know how any other way. I'm surprised that Mike Lee said that. Like that's the only way LSU cornerbacks know how to play is in your face, like man to man. Like let's roll. 
<laughs> and Mike, Mike Lee said, "Bring it on." So maybe we maybe we maybe we overthought this air raid thing like completely, thinking like, "Oh, he hadn't air raid hadn't seen SEC defense the lines." Yada, yada. It's like, well, maybe like these these SEC like man to man press corners hadn't seen an air raid offense. Like I don't know, maybe that's the maybe that's the angle, but they ate him up. Mm. Do we really think Derek Stingley would have made that big of a difference today, though? No. Yeah. I mean, he would have made a difference. He's, but, but like, there's, I mean, how, how many, how many passes were thrown? Sixty, <laughs> like a thousand. <laughs> like, like, like they're, they're, you know, they didn't go sixty at Eric at, uh, at Derek Stingley's replacement. There's sixty all over the yard. Mm. No, I, uh, I think if Derek Stingley Jr. is in that game, Kylan Hill has a few more receptions because uh, he was still just devastating, even over the middle and making plays after uh, after the catch. I mean, maybe there would have been a few less tackles or missed tackles because that was another thing. Oh, she was missing a bunch of tackles too. But that's that's a, like I don't want to hold that against any defense in this week in your first game of the season considering we don't know what practice was like for anybody. But there, there were a lot of missed tackles by LSU. Yeah, but we got a long way to go, boys. What else we got? Like Big Twelve, like where do you want to go? Because you know we could do, we could do a whole. Hoping we don't talk about them. <laughs> a whole we a whole episode on uh, on just the Texas 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 Tech game. Just a whole episode on the last like four minutes. Oh my gosh! So the special teams mistakes in really across the country, but in Texas Texas Tech were magical. They really were. I mean, it was, um, it was some of the least cohesive football that I could imagine. And Texas's defense had so many missed tackles. It looked so, I it looked so incredibly like out of sorts and not plugged in. And yet, at the same time, shouldn't we celebrate iconic Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger bringing him back from a fifteen-point deficit uh, with? three minutes or in change to go and then winning that thing in overtime. I mean, my man's been iconic for so long that we take his iconography uh, for granted. <laughs> like he's iconic every day. So, so no, the story wasn't I, like, unfortunately iconic Sam Ellinger got overshadowed by this in like incredible, um, in this, 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 in, this incredible situation that we have on our hands where Texas's five-star DBs like just get absolutely torched. Like it is, it is borderline like un like scientifically speaking, like this should be impossible for them to not, for them to be, have this much of an issue tackling, defending, but it's something, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's like a, it's, 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 it's the same sickness Oklahoma has, I guess. Yeah. I didn't see a ton of this game until it started getting really stupid at the end. Like for the, the most, mo- I missed most of the first three quarters just because this is one of the games where it was like, God, I need more screens. But I, yeah. Uh, how many blocked, muffed, missed punts were there in this game? There was uh, like two, it, two block, like a, uh, each team had a block. They, they, they like swapped blocked punts. Right. And there was like a muffed punt. And then I think there was, the, <laughs> well, then like, count- and I mean, like the punter muffed it, not right. the receiver. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it was, this, this game was a damn mess. Cause it's funny. Cause you look at the final score and it's like, it was 63 to 56, two overtime. So we've got 119 points scored yet. Neither team broke the 500 yard total yard mark. <laughs> So it's like it's it's really weird to dissect this game just looking at the box score because it does not tell the entire story at all. Is it the strangest box score of the day? It could be. I haven't di- I haven't dove into them all just yet, but it is. It's like that was the one thing that stood out to me because I expected when I first opened this earlier this afternoon when I was trying to look at everything, I was like, okay, so like, what did Texas Tech have? Seven hundred yards? Did Texas have six hundred? <laughs> it's like, nope. No, uh, they they averaged like five point three yards per play and scored sixty three points. There's a few strange boss scores to choose from today. Yeah, Let's say that. Okay, all right. Well, I want to get to that because uh, that has I've I've realized that that's some of the fun of of sitting here is, is we we can find some box score anomalies as we've been trying to digest everything from throughout the day and and keep up with uh, all the ongoings from throughout the college football world. So Texas. 
it does not inspire any confidence in a win. What is Oklahoma's problem? Barton, you texted that Oklahoma's defense is a sickness. And I feel like both Texas, so Texas gets Chris Ash in. And of course, you know, um, Alex Grinch had come in and saved the world at Oklahoma last year. Like, is why, 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 why can't it happen? Like, why cannot it happen at one of these schools to be dominant defensively, to be capable defensively? Because Oklahoma, I guess, what was it, outscored 17 to nothing in the fourth quarter, just sort of allowed Kansas State to just get to storm back and, and be able to win this game. Uh, second time Kansas State has beaten Oklahoma in a row. It continues the tradition of Lincoln Riley losing one single Big 12 game in conference play. <laughs> but it was in the first game instead of like, <laughs> you know, the fourth game or the fifth game. Like, I uh, I don't think Oklahoma's defense is going to be significantly better at any point this season. Serious question. Who do you, if, you're, if, if uh, your assignment for um, Monday is do your Big 12 power rankings, who are you putting number one? I'm still putting Oklahoma number one. Yeah, probably. Are you serious? But, yeah. I mean... Who who in the conference really established themselves as being better? Oh, Pokes. I'm, I mean, <laughs> somebody wants Oklahoma State. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the problem the Big Twelve is facing. But I will say, you guys you guys are being pretty pessimistic. Glass half empty here because you know last year Kansas State scored forty eight points against Oklahoma. This year they only scored thirty eight. Last year they had four hundred and twenty six yards of offense. This year they only had four hundred. So Oklahoma's defense is actually improving. It's just but that's the problem. Worse. Well no last yes. last year was the good Oklahoma defense because they had improved from hundred and twelfth or whatever to like fiftieth. Like last year was the high watermark, and now we're starting to regress a little bit after we've lost some of those good pass rushers and some of those disruptive players up front. I, I'm still putting Oklahoma number one because I, I do think that you've got, with Spencer Rattler, a little bit more firepower. But I thought that there was some, there was some concerning play from Oklahoma's offensive line, a group that we've at times called some of the, one of the best offensive lines in the country. And I thought that they'd... They did not have a very good day against a Kansas State defense mm-hmm. that, like, I'd kind of sold some stock on. Uh, like, White Hubert, I mean, I always throw his name out there because I do think individually he's a very, very good player. But after the Arkansas State loss, I had kind of backed off the idea that Kansas State was going to have this on-brand Kansas State defense with, you know, Skylar Thompson and Deuce Vaughn and the run game is paired with a really good defense. And that's how Kansas state wins games is they like lure you into their kind of contest. But I kind of thought that Oklahoma's offensive line had troubles uh, today that were, I don't know, man, that's, uh, that's concerning. Maybe I would, all right, I'm, I'm not going to give Shane Illingworth Oklahoma state as the number one, but maybe if we get Spencer Sanders fully healthy, I'll give Oklahoma State number one in my power rankings. But I'm going to consider this just the the weird quirks of that Oklahoma Big 12 life is like, yeah, sometimes you're going to lose to Kansas State or Iowa State or a game like this. No, but look, like Oklahoma won. Like there, there, wasn't, a, there wasn't a right answer to that question. Like the, the idea is just like it's, there, there's no good answer. Like if if I ask that question, like you're gonna sound ridiculous no matter what you say. Oh, you're gonna pick the team that just lost to Kansas State, um, uh, a Kansas State team that lost to Arkansas State with like 20 people out with COVID plus like eight starters. Um, so, you know, but then who else you put? Like the Texas the Texas team that like took a miracle to beat a Texas Tech team that could barely sneak by Houston Baptist or Oklahoma State that really should have lost to West Virginia and practically lost to Tulsa. Like. Uh, you know, or, or Iowa State, who lost to Louisiana, who nearly lost to Georgia Southern. Like it's just—it's all ridiculous. Um, the Big Twelve is just this like total, like I don't even know how to describe the Big Twelve. Here's some box score fun from this one, because Oklahoma lost by three 
but they turned the ball over four times. Kansas State didn't turn it over once, although the last interception came in like the last play of the game. So I guess we could say they turned it over three times and they lost by three. But what's more remarkable than that is Kansas State had 13 penalties for 108 yards. Kansas State averaged 2.5 yards a carry in the run game. Kansas State converted only two of 11 third downs. Kansas State had 10 first downs to Oklahoma's 28. And Kansas State won the game. <laughs> that's that's something right there. How? I mean, I watched it. But it's like, how did they win this game? When you look at the way they played, it's like, oh, well, it's Oklahoma turned it over. And yeah, it has to be that because Kansas State wasn't. I mean, Skylar Thompson made plays when he had to. Deuce Vaughn, shout out to you, Barton, for pointing him out before anybody else did to me, made some big plays. But for the most part, it's like, man, I don't think Kansas State played great. I think they just outplayed Oklahoma when they absolutely had to. No, I d- Baylor. Sure, there you go, Barton. Baylor. Yeah, Baylor's yeah, number Baylor one. Baylor won. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Baylor should be number one. Sure, Baylor. One and zero. Baylor Bears with a thirty-three point win against the Kansas Jayhawks. They're off and running. They haven't disappointed us yet. Yeah, sure. Put Baylor number one. I'll tell you what. Oregon's college football playoff chances improved today. Did they? Because they lost their one of their best players yeah, to an opt out. They lost Javon Holland. So <laughs> I was just eliminating the Big Twelve from the playoffs. So I was just figuring yep. that there'd be a little bit more of a chance. That was one thing. Like on Fox after the game, Urban Meyer said, "Oh yeah, Oklahoma's out of the playoff. There's no chance they get there." And I'm sitting there like Urban. Oklahoma lost to Kansas State last year and got to the playoffs. So maybe let's slow down on losing to Kansas State eliminates you from the playoffs. But they do need to like run the table now. And they could, yeah. They're, and there's, yeah, I don't know. All right, I so mean, this, look, at the, this look whole, at the rest of the Big 12 and tell me Oklahoma can't run the table. <laughs> no one no one can predict anything. Like don't no one can predict anything. This whole day was a principal buster of a day. This the, the I mean the first like the last two weeks have been principal buster buster weeks like who the hell knows what's going to happen this year. Okay, so can I pivot us back to uh, something that is of great concern to the heart and soul <laughs> of this podcast? Yes, this Georgia Bulldogs podcast had a rough rough first half. I went out. I out. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say let's. I don't, Barton, I, for the record, Barton's texting in the second quarter, like, "Yeah, we're no longer a Georgia pod." <laughs> I mean, our Georgia, the, the we are a Georgia pod based on the principle that we believe Georgia is going to have a great year because we've been accused of being Georgia haters in the past, but not this year because this year we think Georgia is going to be really good. I. Parton Simmons no longer have the confidence (laughs) in the Georgia Bulldogs. Listen, Georgia didn't even show up for like 35, 40 minutes, and they still won by 27. And if you got the line early enough, they still covered the spread for you. So, you know, it was a slow start, a very slow start. And I'm not as optimistic maybe as I had been before the game, but they did win 37 to 10. Brother Stetson Bennett the fourth, <laughs> OI fifteen, pledge class president. Yeah, goes, Kirby was Kirby did not wait long to pull the hook on Dwan Mathis, did he? He should have though. I mean, they were better with Stetson Bennett in. I'll yeah, give him that. Twenty yeah. for twenty nine, two hundred eleven yards, two touchdowns. Uh, it the Georgia Georgia's new look offense. Was awful. How, how quickly that dream died! Like, like a, a, like oh my goodness! How quickly that dream died! Like they couldn't, they couldn't run the ball either. They yeah, could, yeah. couldn't run the nine ball. yards per carry. I mean, they, they. I mean, think about like there. It, it was, and I, I can, I stand by this. It was, it was, it was a reasonable question to ask. Can this Georgia team? be last year's LSU offensively. Like I'm not like predicting it and, and pondering it are different things, but you could, the pieces were there. Like there's reason to believe that they could have made that sort of a stride be, only because LSU set that precedent only because we've seen it happen the year before, but Holy cow. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> our, 
are we going? I mean, maybe this will all change if JT Daniels gets cleared. But are we going back to the time like we mentioned it with LSU? Like we've gone back to the less miles quarterbacks. Have we gone back to the time where the SEC only has like two or three quarterbacks at most and the rest are kind of average? Because I feel like as I was watching this game, man, if Arkansas had anybody besides Felipe Franks at quarterback, they're probably winning this game. But they had Felipe Franks at quarterback, and therefore they never really had a chance, no matter how poorly Georgia played. Well, you could look at it that way, Tom. Or you can look at it as, thank God they have Felipe Franks and not Ben Hicks and, you know, (laughs) whoever all the guys that were playing last year. But to your point, I mean, uh, in right now, in the SEC quarterback power rankings, Bo Nix is pretty high. (laughs) Yeah, so... I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to drink my Bo Nix medicine this year. I can feel it. So SEC quarterback power rankings. I would. Uh, you go. You go. Trask one. I think even even with with. I mean, if you put Trask in the Mullen off or the Leach offense, he would have gone for six fifty. Uh, I, I mean, I've got a Mac Jones argument. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so Trask. It, or I mean, I'll give you Trask one, but I think that Trask, Mac Jones is up there. Costello, Mac Jones. Um, and then are we going, uh, um, I think a dividing line, first of all, right that's, there. That's where things dip. Yeah. Then Stetson Bennett. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean that's, Kellen Mond didn't look good today. Yeah. I didn't see hardly any of that game, so I Qu- can't really. Ooh. Quartano didn't look good. Um, Matt Corral and his uh, his dreads looked pretty is good. Is Matt Corral a juggalo? That was because like I was like, what is up with that? Like, is he in? Like, is he like the only 19, 20 year old kid in the country still into the insane clown posse with that haircut? I miss the haircut. He has dreads now. Not dreads. He's got like those little braids that are like sticking up. Oh, yeah. It's uh, isn't he? Is he from California? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, SoCal guy. So, uh, and that's also Costello's a California guy, right? Uh huh. Well, a lot uh, of California quarterbacks in the SEC these days. Well, I mean, to me, and this is very unfair, but to me, the Matt Corral little tiny braids out the head give me like Jamie Kennedy Malibu's most wanted <laughs> kind of vibes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure I'm sure that, that I'm you know I'm very disconnected from the <laughs> touchstones of a 20 year old from California playing football in Oxford, Mississippi. So yeah, you're who your knows what that, you don't know what the kids are up to anymore. Yeah, who knows what that culture clash is uh, has spit out there with Matt Corral? But um, like you know, well, I'm not going to put Terry Wilson up there near the top. Not going to put Jared Guarantano up there near the top. Jared Guarantano had like. Two good pat. Colin Hill had a pretty good game, but again, we're talking about like you mentioned, old school SEC. Just kind of a yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like mm. you're right. Just get that, her done. I, I I do think like and and ten, there's a lot to there's a lot to dig into on Tennessee South Carolina, but I think I do think that Guarantano is sort of the the and he's he's fine. He's okay. Like it's not like he's bad. He's just okay. And he misses, he, you know, him. He misses open receivers sometimes. Sometimes he'll throw it too hard, too high, whatever. Uh, I do think if Tennessee had like a an elite quarterback, that would be a really scary team. Mm-hmm. But they don't have an elite quarterback. Not many um, teams. Okay, so what about Trask? Uh, Florida rolls up a, it you know puts in the Mississippi State world that we're living in here on Saturday night. I think that Florida's offensive performance from the noon slate probably falls a little bit to the back burner. It feels a little bit like old news, but I mean, Kyle Trask 30 for 42, 416 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, Gators offense was kind of cooking thing that stood out to me. Obviously Kyle Pitts was nuts. It's phenomenal mm-hmm. matchup problem for every single team that Florida's going to play this year. But like they've, they've got a really, really deep room of pass catchers and receivers right there where Kadarius Tony uh, presents a little bit of a change of pace, even helps out in the run game. Trevon Grimes is another big body. He's six, four, not quite the like six, six, you know, basketball body that Kyle Pitts has. They, they rolled out a couple of those younger players also got in the mix and you know, the game was, you know, it, it was deep into it. 
Ole Miss kept pushing. You know, they they threatened to cover there near the very end as uh, as as Lane was kind of getting it going and and trying to continue. I thought he was going to kick a field goal for the boosters, baby. We yeah. got to do it for the boosters and get them that cover. I I thought that uh, I thought that the Kyle Trask Florida offense, all of it is something that should be very exciting. While at the same time recognizing that Florida's defense and like it's secondary too. After year after year after year of Florida having a defensive backfield that has at least one NFL player and at least a couple others in the line. Elijah Moore tore that secondary mm. up and maybe Florida's defense is going to mean that they need to score 40 or 50 points if they want to be able to win an SEC championship. I mean, they gave up 613 yards and 7.9 yards per play <laughs> and they won by 16. Right. <laughs> it's that's the thing. Like that was a very, very, very impressive performance from the offense. But like, I, we're gonna. I would. I would wager that in the next few days we're gonna hear a whole lot about how. See, that's why you know Florida is the favorite to win the SEC East because you know look at how Georgia played and look at how Florida played, and I would say that while Georgia's offense was very problematic, that defensive performance from Florida has got me saying, well, I don't know how. I don't know if this team could be that great either if they're gonna play defense that poorly all year long. Yes, but I I, th- I think Georgia's performance was. M- was a, a worse look. Yeah, because there was nothing to be really excited about. Well, yeah, and also because we, I think we all expected Ole Miss to have a pretty, like, scary offense anyways. Like, whether Ole Miss is going to win a lot of games, I don't know, but, like, I think everyone was going to go into an Ole Miss game thinking, all right, we better have things buttoned up because these guys can these guys can score points. And may, maybe what we saw was, was even a, a better version, like a best-case scenario of that. But no one was thinking Arkansas was going to come in here and stop a bunch of yeah. people, and and Georgia could move the ball on them. Um, so, man, I don't know. But still, still six hundred and thirteen yeah, yards for sure. Yeah, and a lot of them were when the game was not out of hand, but the result was pretty much decided. But still, uh, still concerning. All right, we'll. Uh, all right, coming up on the other side. Are we buying the latest check mark in the use backness next? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So is it Miami? 52-10 to 10 winners against Florida State. Now have won four in a row against the Seminoles. Haven't put up these kind of numbers and those kind of wins, though. Florida State was the best defense that Miami's faced so far. Now winners against uh, UAB, Louisville, and now the Seminoles. They got a week off. They got Clemson coming up. Clemson's probably going to win that game. But are you feeling better about where Miami stands in the ACC after winning? I tried to tell you all last week. Third best team in the conference might be the second best team in the conference. Nothing changed for me watching them today. I still think they're the, definitely the third might be the second best team in the conference. Yeah, um, I agree with that. And yet my my attention turns more to, to Florida State. Like I almost feel like Miami just did to Florida State what a good team 
is going to do to Florida State all year long. Like, yeah. I just think, man, Florida State, they're in a deeper hole than than maybe we even realized, which is it's still so hard how, to believe. How does Florida State get that bad? I don't like, know. Like, that, should, that shouldn't be within Possible. the realm of Florida State possibilities, like, to be as bad as they have looked through two games. It happens to programs that have national championships. It doesn't happen to programs often that have won national championships in the last decade. Yeah. That have been to a college football playoff in the college football playoff era. And I understand, like, Mike Norvell wasn't able to coach this game. And I understand that that, you can't discount the fact that that no doubt had some kind of impact. But it's just... And I don't put any of this on Norvell because I feel like this is all a situation that was clearly, you know, brewing before he got to Tallahassee. But it's just, I, I don't understand. And I understand, like, you know, there's been reasons people have written about it. There's been a lot of good articles written about it from people who cover this team and are a lot closer to the team about how Florida State got to this point. But even knowing all of that, and we've discussed a lot of that on this podcast, I still can't wrap my head around how Florida State is this bad. I think it's going to take the, the the reality probably is, so I mean clearly they're going to be bad this year. Yeah, I mean we're talking like, mm-hmm. you're looking at the schedule, that is what the second half conversation was across the country, was okay let's pull up Florida State's schedule and let's see how many wins we can count. All right, they're going to play Jacksonville State on uh, October 3rd. They'll win that one. We Uh, think. And then all of a sudden you're looking at it, you're like, Pitt, I don't know. Louisville, I don't know. Notre Dame, probably not. Uh, Like, you get to a world where you're counting up Jacksonville State, Duke, and NC State as the games where you're like, all right, this is where Florida State gets their Ws. Right. But they'll still go over at least. (laughs) Like we are, are we so, selling NC State stock? Quick, quick sidebar. Yeah, yes. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What did I tell you guys? So this week I said there's gonna be some games this year where they lose like forty-five to three. <laughs> I just didn't know it was gonna come like this week against a, a team. team with twenty players <laughs> out and a D coordinator out. <laughs> Like, do we did we see like did we get like a final count on who it was because I made the joke on Twitter during the game I says well obviously the players at Virginia Tech's missing were the bad ones. <laughs> Andy Bitter of the Athletic who covers Virginia Tech for them was out there at the I haven't gone back to check like the final count but he seemed to believe that at least for, in terms of starters during warmups most of the listed starters were out there. So okay. I think that their depth was challenged, but the Death they Star to dip into the depth. Yeah, when the you're up, Death Star was operational. Clearly, um, yeah, that was a um, yeah, man. Um, not not quite sure how to take that for NC State. I do I I do think that the flaws at the quarterback position were revealed pretty quickly, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that the defense is. I mean, their defensive front, I thought, would be starting to mature into something that was pretty potent at this point, pretty stout. And, man, Virginia Tech just ran right through them. <clears throat> so, what about that 7. Florida State? Seven yards per carry. What about that Florida State defensive front? Marvin Wilson left this game with an injury. Don't remember if he came back. It also was kind of a, a little bit of an out of hand situation where it felt like players were, felt like players were checking out, like, you know, Tom's gotten me onto a lot of soccer in the last 12 months, but it felt like one of those points in the match where we just pull all the old guys out. It's like, <laughs> it's like hold up the scoreboard with the numbers on it. And all of a sudden it's like, we're going to get the old guys out of here and let the new guys get a little bit of reps right now. Um, so we'll, we'll keep our tabs on that, but like Florida state defensively should have, based on everything we know about the personnel of this Florida state defense provided a little bit more resistance for this Miami offense than they did. Like it, that's where I'm almost tempted to come out of it being like, wow, I don't know, man, Miami might be really good. They just, they might be, uh, they're not perfect. They are not 
unbeatable, but like a lot of teams that play with tempo and have some freak athletes, don't let it snowball. Like don't don't let yourself all of a sudden like get caught on your heels because they will make you pay. And when Jordan Travis on the double reverse pass threw it and Jalen Phillips made that freak, you know, just like bat and catch it for an interception. You're just, you're just reminded that like when everything gets going in the right direction with a little bit of organization, this is uh this can be a really, really fun team to get behind for Miami. Well, <clears throat> You know, not to belabor the point, but Georgia Tech just lost to Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, dome was electric. The, the dome was electric. So I mean, I just yeah, like I don't even know how. To, like I didn't watch this game. I didn't watch it because there was other games on, and it was a blowout. Two drives into it, and so I just don't even know how to evaluate Miami with this because I'm not I'm not sure where the bottom is with Florida State. I have a feeling we're going to find out. I mean, again, I hope I hope we find out for for Florida State's sake. I hope we find a bottom soon. Okay, so Jacksonville State next week, and then it goes Notre Dame, North Carolina, Louisville, Pitt. So they could be like one in six. Yeah. Then it goes NC at NC State, and watch out, man! North Carolina. Yeah. We just started allowing. Seven percent capacity. All right, y'all are in but trouble. I mean, who knows what kind of mental state that team's going to be in by the time those winnable games roll around? I saw Florida State fans. <laughs> to, I saw Florida State fans being like, "Listen, don't even play that Clemson game. We got to get COVID. Like we got to get, <laughs> we got to get our numbers up. <laughs> we don't need. We don't need to be in that game." That doesn't that doesn't need to happen. That's that's the state of the fan base, though. We'll we'll check in with Danny later for the pulse of Null Nation, but <laughs> <laughs> that should be a fun check in. <laughs> um, let's let's call him right now. See how he's doing. He's asleep. That's yeah. that's for sure. Uh, all right. So um, elsewhere around the ACC, you mentioned the the Syracuse Georgia Tech game. Dome was electric. That was awesome. Not much else. Good, good we, for Syracuse. Yeah. The offense cooks when they play in the dome. Yeah. Yeah, man. Just what they do. Open Try to eyes. tell the people. Uh, Pitt holds on for an ugly 23-20 to 20 win against Louisville. Uh, Hope you got it at two and a half. <laughs> we did for the locks. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, it, like... Louisville's offensive line is a problem. Pitt is Pitt's defensive front's fantastic, one of the best in the ACC. But uh, Malik Cunningham was running for his life. Lots of sacks, lots of tackles for loss, and you know uh, what was it? Louisville. It was uh, Louisville fans were playing the game. If you take away those seventy-five yard touchdowns, our defense mm-hmm. actually played well. Well, here's a little game for you. If you take away JV and Hawkins's one seventy-five yard touchdown run, he had three rushing yards on the other twelve attempts. Wow. I saw that seventy-five yarder. He he got in the zone quick yeah. on that one. <laughs> but uh yeah, that that when he busted that one off, I started worrying about my my under a, a good bit. And then things slowed down in the second half for me. Um the, the game ended with Malik Cunningham being taken off on a cart but thankfully reports are he's going to be okay all right where uh what where else got y'all's attention Uh, well i I thought so i've been hyping up kentucky took kentucky in the locks you know talked about how this is their big showcase game and they lost and you know whatever they lost but they they look like the better team to me they they outgained them. They outpassed them. They outrushed them. They had a better third third down conversion. The 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 big issue is Terry Wilson did not unbecome Terry Wilson <laughs> over the course of his rehab. Like, and that's all. That's always been a little bit odd to me. Like, there's it feels like there's so much confidence in Terry Wilson within that program, 
and maybe so much confidence in Terry Wilson in him, like in himself, but he just, he just needed to be just not make mistakes and they, they may have won that game. Um, so there, there were some pretty, pretty like costly mistakes that he made, but I still think like that, that's going to be one, like it's what 16 point loss. Um, you know, you look at the score when you're going down their, their schedule later in the year and you're going to be like, well, that wasn't, you know, Auburn took care of them pretty easy. And it's like, well, that's, you know, I, I still think this team is pretty good. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see what they do the rest of the year. That pick yeah, it, before halftime was a freaking backbreaker. Mm-hmm. It was insane. Yeah, yeah, that was a, just a just a bad decision. Yeah, it wasn't like it. It was closer than the score suggests, but like the difference too was just at the in the fourth quarter when it came to okay, somebody's got to make plays to win this game. Bo Nix, Seth Williams made the plays. Kentucky didn't make the plays, and that's really what it came down to. I, I do think that. Now, even though it's not like Bo Nix went off and, and threw for 300 yards or something, but I, I, I sensed the pass game was a little bit less clunky. Yeah, it, it felt smoother. Yeah. 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 It felt a little better. I think Chad Morris is having an impact in a way the other offensive coordinators by Gus Malzon's side before I don't, uh, didn't quite make. So. That well, defense will continue to get better. They're young, yeah. Um, up front, you know, and if that offense, uh, so I, while I while I still think Kentucky's good, I also think Auburn getting out of there with a win is is a good indicator of things to come. Because I, th- I think they're going to get a lot better as the season progresses too. Seth Williams so that- and Anthony Schwartz is not Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle, but it's still no. a pretty damn good duo in terms of mm-hmm. a one-two mm-hmm. punch at wide receiver. Yeah, no, the, the passing game looked better, although Bo Nix's accuracy s- still does leave some things to be desired. And I hate on the putt-putt offense, but I do love the Jeremiah Oatesvall uh, run-pass-punt option. Oh, yeah. That's big. We Hey, listen, Bo Nix pinned him inside, like, the 15-yard line. I mean, Bo Nix might be the best yeah, punter be- in the SEC. He put him on the one. <laughs> Oh my, yeah. I I didn't see him put him on the one. That's awesome. Yes. Like, yes. I'm I I'm here for it. I, I I definitely love to see that. I'm I I feel like for Auburn, there's uh with with LSU struggles with Texas A and M struggling with Vanderbilt. Uh, Auburn to me is like already maybe still hanging on as a a step ahead of Mississippi state. I'm not ready to throw Mississippi state right there into the number two spot, but you're going to, you're going to ultimately probably lose to Alabama. You're going to lose a game that you maybe shouldn't, but it's still going to be a season where you're going to feel good about it. Like it's an Auburn team. Hey, it was an Auburn game. I mean, that was a very Auburn game. Yeah. And, this is yeah. This is going to be. This is going to be one of those teams that's they're going they're going to win weird. They're going to lose a couple, and then you know they're going to play in the Iron Bowl, and somehow, you know, it's going to be a thriller. It'll be a ten point game going into the fourth quarter, and then Gus <laughs> is going to try an onside kick. Surprise, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got UCF uh, running over. I want to talk about Alabama first. Oh, okay. Because you did mention it. I mean, I will say on a day and on a season so far where we have seen very few teams look smooth throughout, like, you know, we, we've got nits to pick with everybody. Like Clemson in the Wake Forest game, Alabama looks fine. It's refreshing. <laughs> there, to, to There was see. no rustiness. They were just Alabama. They came out from the start of the game. The game was over quickly. They just finished it off. Mac Jones, I felt I was fun to watch Mac Jones because I've kind of been the Mac Jones stand for a while. He looked great. 18 to 24, 249 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Waddle caught eight passes, 134 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Smith had 89 yards receiving. Najee Harris had 98 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Defense looked great. I mean, they gave up the 19 points and 322 yards, but most of that came in the last 10 minutes of the fourth quarter when the game was long gone and long dead. So 
yeah, Alabama and Clemson are the only two good teams in the country. I feel very safe saying that. <laughs> They're great palate cleansers. Clemson's <laughs> been our palate cleanser through the first couple of weeks. Now it's Alabama's turn to, you know, take a take a go at it. Um, yeah, that was another like that's Alabama was another team. I didn't, I actually didn't get to cleanse my palate as much as I would have liked because they're it was a blowout so quickly. And um, I had a lot of other, there's a lot of other stuff going on to pay attention to. I was lucky enough to live blog this one. So, yeah. Dialed into it. 10.4 yards per attempt. What happened? All right. So you were watching in the second half? Yeah. What was, uh, what was up with Trey Sanders? Nine attempts, one cumulative yard long of two. Were they just running into butts at that point? Yeah, it was just. There was nothing going. I mean, once Bryce Young came in the game, Alabama's offense kind of stalled. That was the one thing. It's like, I think Bryce Young is not ready for prime time just yet. Like his his possessions, he came in the first one. He had a couple good plays, but then he fumbled while getting you know sacked. He got stripped. He lost the ball. Turned it over. Second possession, he kind of just missed a couple guys. Didn't really go anywhere. Alabama punts, but then Mizzou muffs the punt, setting them up in the red zone. And then on like a third and six, he had a guy, I can't remember who it was, but he had somebody open on a slant that if he just puts the ball in front of the guy, it's an easy touchdown. He throws it about four yards behind him for an incomplete pass, and then Alabama had to settle for a field goal. So I think Mac Jones's grip on the starting job is pretty tight for now. Hey, that's all good. Let Mac Jones hold on to that. Let Mac cook. Let Mac cook. Uh, all right, anything else from the notebook from the day? You want to talk UCF? I was I was just sort of scan I I'd, I'd sorted all FBS results and I was just sort of scanning as we were sitting here seeing if there was anything else. I mean, ho hum, another 400 yard four touchdown day for Dylan Gabriel. Like just sort of mm-hmm. walking through, just throwing them up on the board like that. No big deal. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I I kept an eye on that because of my beloved Pirates. I was very happy that they were able to get in there and get that cover at the end. But it was yeah, UCF was in control of that game throughout. How about a shout out for Tulane for falling behind fourteen to nothing, and then winning sixty six to twenty four? What? Yeah, I saw that score. I was like, "What did I tell you, Chip?" Bet him in the second half. <laughs> That's right, and we did. <laughs> yeah, um, we're kind of burying the lead a little bit too. With uh, let me find the final UTEP thirty one, Louisiana Monroe six. Mm-hmm. You know, three and one the show with that, but B- bottom twenty-five okay. game of the century of the week. Three and one miners going to the college football playoff with that quality loss against undefeated Texas. Hey, hey, so, come on. So, on a on a serious note, I don't think we've really dug into Vanderbilt A and M much yet. What uh, did you not watch Alabama because you were watching Vanderbilt A and M? I was watching Vanderbilt A&M. And, I mean, like, <laughs> Vanderbilt nearly beat them. I know. Like, it was, it's not like a misleading score. Like, I don't granted, th- like. I don't think it's a misleading score. I just, I was putting myself in your shoes and I was like, I know that Tennessee, South Carolina is going to be holding a little bit of a advantage in your heart in this 730 slate. But Vanderbilt A&M, I should have known. I should have known. Had a, I also had a. Uh, Baylor minus 17 and a half. I had to babysit for just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tell me about, tell me about that A&M Vanderbilt game because I was, I was waiting to see, like I had so little faith in Vanderbilt winning and I just sort of resigned to the fact that like A&M's going to win this game and all I should do is still be very concerned about the Texas A&M offense. Yeah, but so A&M and Georgia both were down um, no, seven not to five. Down, just they were just both had seven to five. Yeah, but yeah, mm-hmm. both A&M was up, but they both had seven to five scores going into halftime. Um, and I think this one Vanderbilt Vanderbilt's not great, but the, their quarterback is is. He's got a little something to him. He's a true freshman. Okay, he, he was. <laughs> He hung in there. He he, he battled. I, I, I like him. I think he's a good player. Texas A&M though, like what the like, I wonder what the average um, 
plays per game is around college football right now. Because A&L against Vandy came in with 55. <laughs> and like, your Texas Mike, A&M... Mike Bobo just felt a chill. Like, oh, you, got the, you got the number five roster in college football in terms of recruiting rankings. And you only want to punch out 55 plays against Vanderbilt. Like, let, let, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, A&M was six, 6.8 yards a play. Vanderbilt's 3.8. Like they, they had an advantage. They just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, you're sitting here talking about Florida state and the, the mess that they're in. And, you know, I mean, this whole thing started with Jimbo Fisher and I'm not saying that Jimbo Fisher, I'm not saying that's what A&M is right now, but this is a year where A&M is supposed to be better than beating Vandy 17 to 12 and COVID aside. And I know that they've, they've had their fair share of COVID related obstacles. Um, but just, just uninspiring off, particularly on offense. Um, and I just don't, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't would not be very confident in the dark horse A and M Aggies to make that run this year. I will. I didn't see the only part of this game I saw because I was live blogging Alabama and uh, Missouri during it was Derek Mason getting that penalty at the end of the game. But I will say, Texas A and M does have to play at Alabama next week. <laughs> so there might have been a scenario where it was just like. Let's get, get it. Let's get in here. Just get our W. Not really put anything of worth of value on tape. Go home and keep getting ready for Alabama. Maybe some to that. There may be some to that. That's that's a, that's a fair point. Like um, and and I think even like you know, this is going to be one of those where, I mean, Vandy played. It was a valiant effort by Vandy, but I think this is also one where we could look back and just, you know, this could be. I don't think it's representative of Vandy being a good team yet. I think it's representative of Vandy, you know, battling and being ready to play and props to them for that because hell, like this is a team that should have no business, no business being in this game, given all so, the all the turnover it had. So where are you putting Vandy quarterback Ken Seals on your SEC QB power rankings? He is he's not last. <laughs> <laughs> I put him not last. I'm trying to think who I would put last. Who's last? Uh, Who's Felipe, last? No, I can't. Felipe makes, Felipe's not last. Felipe's not last. Felipe's decent. No, I know. He's just... My, my problem with Felipe is Felipe thinks he's a lot better than he is. <laughs> last in the SEC quarterback power rankings. Um, it is, Sean, it is Robin, sort of, Sean Robinson. So probably Sean Robinson. Well, you hey, know what? Sean did not look, I mean, Sean looked like Sean, put it that way. Like he had, like there were moments where you're watching him play and it's like, man, he is talented. He does some thing. Like he, he threw some balls like sidearm at some strange angles while he was getting pressure and it was, they passed. It should have been completed. His receivers were dropping him. But then, yeah, then he does some really dumb things too. So it's, I thought Sean overall was actually pretty okay for Missouri tonight. Where's Miles Brennan in the SEC quarterback rank? I think we're talking about Miles Brennan, Terry Wilson, Sean Robinson. They're a tier, that's for sure. Yeah. All, all sort, of, and maybe, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that they're sort of all scrapping it out right now. Yeah, Terry, yeah. Terry Wilson certainly deserves to be in the conversation. So hey, hold on, what did, did, what, given what he did to me today, does Dewan <laughs> does Dewan Mathis ex- excuse himself because Stetson Bennett? Dewan Mathis ducked out. He uh, he ripped up his he ripped, <laughs> he ripped up his paper <laughs> and walked out of the room. Hey, been there. Just turn hey, it. Turn can, it. Can we talk about that just for a second? Like the, I mean this this what a what a Great representation of the informationless COVID era where we go through this cycle. I tell you what, of, I've heard Dewan Mathis is creating some buzz around. Well, you know game. why Jamie Newman just opted out? Because Dewan Mathis out there, he saw Dewan Mathis throwing. I heard it too, man, for sure. It's like. Hell no, that's not why Jamie Newman opted out. And then it's like, well, you know, I mean, 
to why I'm at this, you know, JT Daniels, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to transfer again. You know, he's <laughs> <laughs> so like and no one knows anything. Stop it. Let's this all no no one knows anything. And and we've been hearing we've always been hearing all off season about how good Miles Brennan is, and that's why LSU didn't need a quarterback, and that's why they weren't getting a transfer, and that's why they didn't get Derek King, and oh well, they because they believe in Miles Brennan. Well, they're going to be getting a transfer next year. Yeah, I mean, I just this is uh, Derek King would be nasty in LSU's offense right now. Yeah. Uh, what could it be? Eric Gilbert looking at uh, Brevin Jordan like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, well, uh, anything else? Uh, my who's Virginia? They rolled. Yeah. Hey, Duke uh, showed some fight though. I'll say that I was tuned into that game at the beginning just to see what their spirits were like, but good spirits early. Good spirits early. Good spirits early. I mean, they scored a red zone touchdown, right? You know? It's true. After 10 trips to the red zone and only having one touchdown, it was nice to finally know that you could do it. Oh, the other one that was, uh see the return of Max Duggan? I did. TCU? Yeah. He didn't get a win out of it, but it was still, um, still kind of nice to see our boy back. Also, Georgia Southern, Louisiana. Very fun, interesting game, particularly at the end. Louisiana able to hold on to stay undefeated. I was, uh, for tomorrow's top 25 today, I made a note. I was like, I I think Louisiana won too many hearts with the voters to get totally dropped out. Because like, the Big Ten teams They are, might drop out, though. The Big Ten teams are back. That's going to mess the math up. And essentially, we're coming down to a situation where are you going to put... Iowa or Minnesota, which has played zero games ahead of this Louisiana team, which won you over with this Iowa State road win, but since then has been, you know, just kind of squeaking out victories along the way. Are you, are you going to make that decision? My prediction, and we'll see if I was right or not on Sunday, was that the voters are not going to be rushing to throw Minnesota or Iowa in there, but that they'll keep this beloved raging Cajun story uh, alive and, uh, and they'll be hanging on at 24 or 25. I, I hope so. There. But I think I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they drop out. I mean, the voters are spread throughout the country and I know that there's a lot of, a lot of big 10 beat writers that are ready to get Minnesota back up in the top 25. Well, we're going to get the golfers back in the rankings there. We'll start rowing that boat. I'm ready. Ready. Are you saying the Gophers don't deserve to be ranked, Chip? This is a team that won, what, 10, 11 games last year? You're just writing them off? Shot Bateman's coming back? I think that teams that have not played games are fighting an uphill battle against teams that have played games in the minds of voters. Wow. 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 2020, Chip. <laughs> he is Tom Fernelli. Big 10 homerific. All the way through. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. He is Barton Simmons. He watched a lot of Texas A&M Vanderbilt. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. You there. hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!